Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm a little warm. I just got my second dose. Ooh. And it's also hot out, so I'm toasty. But I'm good. You? Yeah. For anyone that's unaware, we're back in a heat wave. Uh, here we are. <laughs> but also, I okay. noticed... I don't know how... I heard the other day that we are the average, like highest average temperature... In, in, like, provinces. And when I googled it, it actually said that Victoria, B.C. is, like, the overall highest average temperature. Because we have so little variance, we actually end up being, at like, the highest average. It's so shocking. I hate that. Um, I was gonna say I don't know how it is for you guys right now, but I've noticed, too, because there's been a ton of fires in the interior of B.C. And now we got really smoky today. Yeah, I definitely noticed it kind of, like, sop in today. Yeah. It's definitely the first time in, I don't know, I mean, remember a few years ago when we had, like, red skies from the fire? Oh, that was so, it was so shocking looking and such a weird experience. But, yeah, so now we're in a heat wave and it's muggy and smoky. Yeah. Anyway, enough. We could really use some rain. (laughs) Yeah, enough complaining. We are just avoiding today's topic. Like the plague. And I'm sure if you clicked on this, again, you already know what it is. And I'm sure you've noticed it's labeled part one, so you are getting a two-parter. But lucky for you guys, we got a sweet deal. You don't have to wait a whole week. We are going to be giving you part two in as little as 48 hours. Yes, you will have part two by Thursday because... We love you. We love you. We don't want you to wait a whole week. (laughs) And also because I have a demanding schedule that I wanted to meet, and, well, here we are. Sorry, Katie. Yeah. Hey, I did not get an extra day off at my 9 to 5 for no reason. True. Oh, my gosh. She's making moves. I guess it's not 9 to 5 anymore. (laughs) She is making moves. Love that. Yes, we're starting to dedicate. We're starting to be able to dedicate more time. To the podcast, which is amazing, which means that it's just going to be getting better. That's the goal. Always. That being said, if you guys have any feedback or want to get into a discussion about this week's episode, head on over to Podcast by Proxy on Instagram. Yes. I just wanted to show Katie this photo of me (gasps) with this dinosaur making a face. Maybe I'll post it for everyone to see. Can you see Why this? Why didn't you post that one? I saw you post, like, Dino Solo. <laughs> Why not that one? It's so cute. I'm also... Did you see the face I'm making? <laughs> well, no, because you're... Sh- I have you, like, this big on my computer because I have three programs open on a laptop. Okay, so, I'm going to no. send it to you. And, send it to me right And now. then I'll also post it on the Instagram story, like, when this episode goes up so that everybody else can see me in my Jurassic Park glory. Because... So this was on just the side of the road today. We went to the drag races nearby. I love it. Isn't it amazing? And so we I'm going to make it my lock screen. We're driving by and I see this 
pink and purple gigantic velociraptor on the side of the road. I'm like, Brandon, you have to turn around. And he's like, what? I'm like, like the opposite of the Ikea commercial, you know, where she's like, start the car. Were you like, stop the car? Yes. As I was like, stop it. Turn around. But in the middle of like a very busy road. He did because he loves me so much. Of course. He turned the fuck around and he took pictures of me with a velociraptor and it was the best day. It was better than watching drag racing. And I love cars. So that's seeing a lot. Or, yeah. Oh my goodness. I know your day looked so fun. But quick word of advice to any men that are listening. Even if your girlfriend says she doesn't want you to take her picture, take her tell picture. her, hey, babe, you look cute. Let me take a picture of mm-hmm. you because you know she wants a good photo for Instagram, but she doesn't want to make you be the Instagram boyfriend. It's true. But she needs it. Yeah. You got to support her in every way you can. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, I just wanted to share that story because it was fun. But um, I love it. I love your face. <laughs> I love the raptor. <laughs> I want you to post it and be confident in it because I think you look adorable. Oh, I'm going to post it. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. Let's get back to the topic at hand. So if you clicked on... Can I ask you one more thing? Yeah. Totally not related to this. Um, And it's totally an old song. But have you heard the song Over It by Macklemore? No. Oh, okay. Listen to it after. Me and our friend Kyle that we talk about frequently. I showed it to him yesterday and he's obsessed. Now I'm telling you about it. So I want you to listen to it. It's super catchy. Really Didn't love I it. Didn't I see you share that on our podcast page? Oh, Kyle did. Oh. Kyle tagged me because he's like, I'm obsessed with this song. I've been so. so busy the last two days. I was like barely on my phone. And I always feel, I don't know if anyone else feels like that, but I feel like I feel really out of the loop. <laughs> nowadays when I haven't like yeah. watched Instagram stories in a few days because I just don't know what anyone's been doing which is like a, a completely separate conversation on its own about my Very addiction to my phone but I felt really yeah. I like I felt left out because I didn't know what anyone did for FOMO. 48 hours Called yeah FOMO. it's like Instagram story FOMO I hate that Anyway, um, we're just, I'm going to have a, uh, a sit down with myself about my relationship with my phone. You and me both. We can support each other through that. Yeah. All right. Let's okay. just get to the monsters. So we've kind of teased, not, I don't want to say teased like this is fun. We've mentioned a few times in Our the last comments. little bit that we were going to cover um, Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo Known in popular media, I guess, as the Ken and Barbie killers. I'm not going to call them that, but uh, that is a name that is used for them. Well, Paul has a list all on his own as well. Yeah, so. he does. So He got this. Yeah, we're. I think we should just get into it. Yeah, I guess so. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Um, okay, I'm putting my phone ringer, or ensuring my phone ringer's off. I swear to God, this is the closest thing to going to a movie I get anymore. I, like, put my phone on silent, I get a drink, I pick a seat. <laughs> this is going to the movies for me now. Truth. <sighs> okay. So, yeah. Let's just do the damn thing, I guess. Born August 27th, 1964. Wait, weren't you going to do Carla first? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think we're just going to start with Carla because I don't know who's the worst, but that just seems like an appropriate place to start. Carla was born Carla Leanne Hamalka on May 4th, 1970 in Port Credit, Ontario. 
Port Credit is a neighborhood in the southern central part of the city of Mississauga, Ontario. Port Credit was its own incorporated town until 1974, but at that point it just became a neighborhood of Mississauga. This is actually really similar about what I was trying to say about Nanaimo in the Lisa Marie Young episode when I said that Departure Bay used to be its own town when I actually meant Wellington. But same thing, like it was its own township and then it just got incorporated into the main Mm-hmm. She was born to... I think we know what you mean. Yeah, I just wanted to say that because I listened to it and I was like, mm, that wasn't right. That's not what I meant to That's say. That's not what I meant. Uh, but she I was... frequently do that. Yeah. She was born to Carol Hamalka and Dorothy Seeger. Complete side note, but like her... So her dad's name is spelled... Her name is Dorothy? Her mom's name is Dorothy. Oh. His, her dad's name is Carol. K... A-R-E-L. So you know she was named... Like Daryl. And an E-L instead of a Y-L. Well, Daryl is E-L or Y-L. I've never seen anybody spell Daryl D-A-R-E-L. So weird. My dad is a Y-L and I rarely see Y-Ls anywhere else. Weird. So that's interesting. Anyway, I always uh, wondered what it would be like if my parents chose to name me like after my father. If they just chose, like, a more feminine yeah. version of, like, my dad's name. Because my, uh, you know, it just, I've always wondered. And, and none of them make sense. So her father, Carol. We'll just get back to that. Carol. Carol with a K. He was a bit of a drunk. He fought with her mom a lot. Carla and her siblings really, com- like, comforted each other frequently when Carol was having, you know, an episode And he was a Czechoslovakian immigrant as well as a traveling salesman. Carla grew up... Cutco knives. What? I said Cutco knives. (laughs) (laughs) All I could think of was door-to-door sales. (laughs) The slap chop. Another side note, did anyone have a slap chop? Because they were trash. I got one and it sucked. They, like, don't actually go down. They, like, get caught in the plastic and they, they suck. They were a nightmare. Worst purchase. Absolute Didn't that guy bunch go of on bullshit. To, like, be a nightmare. I have no idea. The sham wow guy. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Carla. So she grew up in a family of five. She was the oldest of three daughters. Generally speaking, though, she had a pretty like quote unquote normal childhood. Her friends from school remember her being smart, attractive, popular. They remember her being an animal lover, uh, which we'll come back to. But you yeah. know. She was liked by most of her teachers, but some of her peers described her being bossy. Uh, I mean, you know, who isn't a little bossy? I don't know what everyone saw in these two. I don't think they're overtly good looking, I guess maybe for the time, but I don't know. I'd like everyone else's opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's prettier than you'd expect. I Yeah, I think it's just that they're not your typical stereo, like what you would think. Yeah, I guess People so. who do these kinds of things look like they're very, like, just pretty people you'd see walking on the street. Yeah. You know. Like Ken and Barbie. We're not going to see them in a magazine, but yeah, they're very, like, poster-esque for, like, yeah, anyway. I did read in one place as well, just, like, randomly, that Carla was asthmatic as a child and she was hospitalized a lot for it, but I didn't talk about that at all going into, like, her adulthood, so. Weird. Okay. Yeah. But Carla worked I mean, at a... You can't outgrow it, kind of. So. Yeah. Yeah, I just happened to read that somewhere. She worked <laughs> at a pet store. I believe it was a pet store that she worked at at first. 
She worked at a pet store part-time during high school, and then when she graduated high school, she started working at a vet clinic. Same. She, really? A pet store and then a vet clinic? I mean, I guess it makes Um, sense. Yeah, I worked at a pet store, and then I worked at a kennel, um, and then I did, like, some practicum work in a vet clinic, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You went to school. You have schooling to be, like, a vet tech assistant, right? Yeah. Amazing. It was when Carla was attending a veterinary convention at the age of 17 during the summer of 1987 in Toronto, Ontario, that she meets 23-year-old Paul Bernardo. I guess I'll just let Katie kind of take over and she can tell us all about Paul Bernardo. Yeah, I mean, Carla's early life is not as, uh, we'll say as eventful, I'll say, as Mm. Paul's. Um, He was a busy, busy young man. Yeah, let's get into this, because this guy is just hot garbage. Yeah. And this was also noted in multiple places that I saw as the OJ trial of Canada as well. So just, yeah, it just, like, made me kind of, like, gag a little, just knowing that that's what its comparison was. It's just like, why did you get that much notoriety and attention? It's just garbage. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. Actually, my... (laughs) My, just a completely random side note, I feel like I've had a lot of those this episode. What other kinds are there? I don't know. Maybe, like, planned ones. I was going to talk about it later, and I will, but my boyfriend's family lives very close to where all of this occurred in Ontario, and he kind of just mentioned to them, uh, oh, like, what do you think about Olivia covering that case, and... His mom pretty much said something along the lines of, like, I don't think she should be giving that bitch any more notoriety. It's true. I, like, so, like I I'm have a sorry, bottle. mom. Like, I have a bottle of Dr. Teal bath bomb or bath soap stuff, bubble bath, on the edge of my bathtub. And knowing what I know now about her name, I can't even, this week, I, like, don't even want to have a bath. I'm, like, <laughs> mad at my bath soap because it just says teal on it. Yeah. It's, ugh, it's annoying. But, uh, yeah, it, he had his own list of other nicknames, but, again, it doesn't really matter. We all know him as the Ken and Barbie killer because the most notoriety he ever got was once he paired up with, well. Shit stain. His twin flame. Ew. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. So... Paul was born August 27th, 1964, to parents Marilyn and Kenneth Bernardo in Toronto, Ontario. Because, again, we're always in Toronto now, it seems. Yeah. Also, that list, if no one's listened to our weird Canadian laws, there was so many in Ontario. They are a kooky bunch of laws there, so (laughs) check that out. (laughs) It is worth mentioning a little bit about Paul's parents before we get into Paul's life too much, because it It'll give you a pretty good idea of the household he grew up in, which I was unaware of. Okay. Uh, his his dad was an Italian immigrant, and his mom was kind of a proper English woman. And his father was a really successful man in the marble and tile business. But word on the street is, behind closed doors, he just treated his wife and kids like shit. He was highly abusive. It's interesting to me that they have this in common. Yeah. Because her father was a Czechoslovakian immigrant and very drunk and not, you know, very nice to specifically her mom behind closed doors. So that's interesting. 
Totally. And when you said that, because for anyone who doesn't know, we totally divided this part of the case so that we could each just kind of do a bit of the early life of each person. Uh, so we both got to learn a little bit about each other's person. Uh, so I, I didn't know that Carla's parents had any mirroring traits to Paul's at all yeah. or his upbringing. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So Marilyn, his mom, was adopted and raised by a super stable set of parents, like a wealthy Englishman. Um, it, she didn't have a rough life. She was wanting to go on and raise a family the same way. So they were definitely on completely separate pages in terms of how they showed affection and how they showed punishment. So the household was unusually dynamic, to say the least. Shortly after Marilyn uh, broke up with one of her boyfriends when she was a teen because her parents forced her to because they disapproved, that's when she started dating Kenneth because he kind of like met the criteria. Sure. He had a stable job. He was becoming an accountant um, because he didn't want to follow in the family business of tile and marble. So he decided, boring, let's become an accountant. Whatever. I shouldn't say that. I used to want to do taxes. Whatever. So honestly, I don't think get... being an accountant would be a bad job. I'm I love like tedious. It's really stressful. But I yeah, you know I love tedious clicky clicky work. So do I. Yeah, like data entry, sign me. And like oh. and like stuff that's quite Numbers. complicated and like complex. Yeah, like I like I like a puzzle. I do a good puzzle. Me too. I think that's why we liked and were good at our job that we had together. It's why a lot like of the reason and, why I love my job oh. right now. It's very much like that. It's very technical. Oh, comics. Yeah. Ooh. That was, a challenge. that was always your beast, though, not mine. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. So, so anyway, she gets together with Kenneth. They get married in 1960. They start a family. They have a son and a daughter shortly after they have a third pregnancy, and that's Paul. So he is the youngest of three in this family. And in 1975, it comes to light to the family that Kenneth has been molesting a young girl as well as his own daughter. Oh. Because there is one daughter in the family. Oh, my goodness. So he's... Yeah. So he's charged with child molestation. And, of course, the other two boys are seeing this growing up. So traumatizing, of course. Do we know how old the boys are at this point? Um, well, Paul was born in 64, and this is in 75, and Paul being the youngest, so he'd be, what? 11. 11? Yeah. Say, 10, 11, depending on when this was in the year. Damn. So his siblings are old, and so his parent, his siblings are, like, young teens. So Oof. his sister's probably 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. So, and I don't know how young the other one was, and it just said the other one was a young girl, so I don't know if it was another family member or just, uh... Like someone in the neighborhood. That's I have no idea. Horrific. Yeah. But it started to make sense, like, where these, yeah. I guess, like, examples came from yeah. and where he understood, like, well, we'll get there. Yeah. So his mother falls into the deepest of depressions. She ends up moving into the basement of the house and pretty much cutting herself off from everybody. She's just completely absent moving forward. The kids kind of fend for themselves. Again, they're in their getting into their teens now yeah uh but she completely withdraws from them it's like overnight they almost don't have a mother yeah you... because she's just so depressed 
I feel like you might act like you don't want your parents when you're that age, but you need them. Yeah, and I just you can't need imagine support. being that daughter. Yeah. Like, you, she must need her mom. Like, she's been getting sexually assaulted by her own father. Yeah, and her mom's probably like, I can't look at you. Like, it's too painful for me to look at you. But, like, that's not what your child needs. Yeah. You know? Exactly. A hundred percent. But, again, I understand that her life just fell apart, too. Mm -hmm. So I can't knock her for it. But it's just, I, oh, that poor daughter. Yeah, I hope there was resources to help her at the time. Yeah. So sources around the family and the home say that the older son and, obviously, the daughter were super traumatized. But... Paul didn't really seem bothered by it at all. And at, like, 11, it just, like, didn't phase him. So everyone was like, oh, maybe he's just too young. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. But Mm. it might have just been that he was really okay with it. Yeah, or, like, we're starting to show signs of, you know... Disassociating with things. Yeah, or just, like, not being able to show empathy to other people. You know. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, this guy is just... So there's a book written by author Nick Prone, and uh, he stated that at the time when all this was happening, people around him stated he was always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, he was cute, and he had dimpled uh, good looks and a sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch his cheeks whenever they saw him. He was the perfect child they all wanted. Polite, well-mannered, doing well in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform. But, like, how could you be that composed with everything going on at home? Right? Like, you gotta think something's wrong. And I just mean, like, his own mother. Like, had she been paying attention? If she could have been. I also think... Now, this is just me playing devil's advocate in this situation. If you have, like, you're traumatized as a mother, you're watching your other two children struggle so much, you have one kid that's just doing the damn thing, I'm not sure that you're going to question it. Maybe, yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that he's thriving and that, because I have these other two children who are struggling so hard and I totally, like, I agree that, like, it's kind Mm -hmm. of a red flag, but from the perspective of somebody going through that kind of trauma as well, I don't know that you're going to question if your kid's just doing really well, if you're not. Yeah, that's fair. No, I agree with that, actually. I think that's a good point. So... It's at this point that I put the dots together that either he never went to jail or he was out of jail, but Paul's dad still lived in the house. Oh, So his mom lived in the basement, and his dad is in the upper floor with all the kids. So I couldn't quite figure out what the whole situation was, and I had a lot to unpack already, so I really just let that one slide, because... Again, let's not give that guy any more time. I just, like, before we stop that, because, yeah, I think Kenneth can go fuck himself. I just have this article up in front of me that was actually, I was reading about um, Carla, but I just scrolled randomly. And it says, Kenneth was also known as the peeping Tom of their neighborhood. He was just a fucking creep. Oh, that's horrific. But again, it sounds like the way that he does these things so naturally and people know, it just seems like he was born and bred into this as well, just like Paul is, clearly. Yeah. So, it's very 
I don't want to say interesting because that's not the right way, but it's very... I, no, it is. the word it's... that comes to mind of just, like, how the brain works and how mm. these traits get passed along and these mindsets and how... Like, we're not born racist or mean or rude. Like, those are things that are taught. Well, and I think it also shows you, I mean, he has two other siblings that were completely... For and purposes, yeah. I don't want to use the word normal, but, like, able to, you know show signs of well they did well in school they attended school they they seem to have fairly his daughter was they're showing an appropriate they're showing an appropriate emotional response to trauma and he is not but it's interesting that's like you know one out of three (laughs) Mm -hmm. so anyway well hold please because we're getting to something oh this is how i knew his dad and mom were living together it might explain some things. Okay. Because why I was just saying, like, things are raised in... And again, mm-hmm. it's nature, nurture, everything is... I think it's... Every case is different. Mm-hmm. But in a fight with his parents when Paul is 16 years old, his mom just, like, has enough. And she finally snaps. And she tells him that when she got pregnant, it wasn't by Paul's dad, Kenneth. She had stepped out on the marriage and gone back to the boyfriend that she had broken up with, um, just randomly. I think she always wanted, like, that bad boy. And so, finally, Marilyn's like, fuck you, Paul, and says, your dad agreed to put up with my affair, and he put his name on the birth certificate, so you'd never know. He just... He wasn't even his dad? Yeah. Oh, I mean, in a biological sense, of course, uh, you know, yeah. gifting sperm doesn't make you uh, a parent, but... No. What? Not at all. Okay, yeah. I did not see that one coming. I know, I really wanted to kind of fuck with you because I wanted to go to that nature versus nurture You thing absolutely did so fuck crazy. with me. I know, that was the point. I think there's just so much to unpack with that, and that's honestly probably something that we'll do a whole episode on because I think it's such an interesting concept, but... He was not his biological father, even though all this stuff, Carla had the same things and turned out very similar. But yet then we find out that it was just the way he was brought up and Mm -hmm. raised. Because we have no indicators that this other person that she was with was any bad boy. I mean, well, it said he was a bit of a bad boy, but I mean, that probably just meant he had a leather jacket and a motorcycle because it was the 60s, you know? Damn. Yeah, I mean... So... Yeah. He's just... Oh, yeah, there's a ways to go. So, Paul goes on, tries to do his best. He attends Sir Wilfrid Laurier Collegiate School, followed by the University of Toronto, where he graduated in 1982. Throughout school, Paul fared really well with girls. Um, In middle school and high school, him and his friends would go out and literally just, like, practice picking up girls, which I think any guys do to prep for college. Pretty normal. Yeah, they yeah. were, you know, laying the groundwork. Being it's a pretty cool man. thing to do when you're that age. Exactly. So they <laughs> spent many hours at local hangouts. He was quite popular. Same with Carla. He got along with everyone. Seemed yeah. quite adaptable, we'll say. Yeah. Once in university, Paul found out that his fantasies and desires lent far more to the darker side of things. His newest fetish at the time was he really liked to just humiliate women in public. 
he would also, behind closed doors, beat up the women he's dating. So the berating and humiliating was just any old lady. The beating specifically, he saved for that special lucky lady. I hate that. Yeah, me too. But aren't we supposed to try and do this comedy thing at the same time? Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's difficult. (laughs) Most of the time I'm just laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Oh, same. But, like, complete side note, I'm sure you've been, like, yelled at in public by a man. 100%. Thinking he's humiliating you. And, like, honey, the only person you're humiliating is your damn self. I'm not embarrassed that your cat calling me or yelling at me in public. At all. I am embarrassed for for you. Yeah, I'm embarrassed (laughs) for you, but I'm not embarrassed for me. So, like, I just wanted to throw that one out there. Honestly, every time now, so the cat call thing used to bother me a bit, but like on My Favorite Murder, they have a whole skit where this person wrote it and they're like, so I don't know how to whistle. So whenever I try and do that wee woo thing that everyone does. And so now, even to my dog, I'm like, Frankie, wee woo. <laughs> she like wiggles back over. So I've just like made it into something funny for myself oh my to light, make it lighthearted. And it works well for me. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Paul, once he finishes school, he gets a job at Amway, where he can get uber hooked up on the motivation train as well, because surprise, surprise, this is an MLM, essentially. Oh, still haven't dropped that MLM episode. No, we're getting there, people. So, Paul is buying books, tapes, movies. It's motivational. Paul's buying it. Take his money. He wanted anything that would get him attention and money. And he thought that those two things were all that mattered in life, which lends more to who his character is. But as said, Amway is an MLM. We mentioned them before. And I don't really understand why we have so many true crime cases that involve MLMs. They're pretty popular in general. No, I mean, I feel like it's just like a huge wave. And some people really... like an MLM mafia. I feel like some people really, really like them and some people really thrive at them and then the rest of the population wants nothing to do with it. Like, that's that's just where the type of thing that an MLM is. Yeah, fair. You're either in it or you're absolutely fucking not. Yeah. Well, it made me kind of confused, too, why Paul was at this company because, like, I thought you'd have to have a little bit more, like, interest to be able to sell the product because they were, like, a world leading in health and beauty. So I'm not really sure what he sold or what he did there. I mean, I don't like think they're asking person. for anyone's resume. That's true. I don't think anyone this needs qualifications. And also, like, nobody needs qualifications to sign up for It Works. Like, just That's give me true. your money. That's true. I don't think they're Buy checking. Our starter pack. Yeah, and they're they're we'll not start. checking at all. <laughs> uh, when Paul was a youngin and a young adult, his favorite book was American Psycho, re- written by Easton Ellis, and he said it was his Bible. Uh. And yeah. Okay. And shockingly enough, as we come to know it, we do know that Paul is the Scarborough rapist, and we will get into some of the beginning of his attacks, but oddly enough, he wasn't even coined that or given that name until after he met Carla. Right. Like, that name wasn't even on the radar before, whereas I think that's, like, a big misconception is, like, it wasn't really out and about when him and Carla were dating, so to speak. It was just an unknown man at the time, so... Oh, so creepy. But it was the name of the unknown man. 
Yeah. Like, nobody knew it was him, per se, but that's what they were calling him because they didn't know who he was. That title got coined two months after they met. Yeah. May 4th, 1987, Paul commits his first rape in Scarborough. It's a 21-year-old woman where he dragged her in front of her parents' house after he followed her home from a bus stop. The attack lasted for about half an hour, and nobody heard her, no one heard any screams, and as we'll come to find out with most of these attacks, they are from behind, and no one sees his face, no no one is really able to identify him other than slight indicators, small markers, and over time, we're able to get a bit of a description. It seems to be a common trend that no one sees what he looks like. Okay. May 14th, 1987. His second rape, he attacks a 19-year-old woman, again, in her parents' yard. It's so fucked up. He, like, drags them into their parents, like, either between houses or in their backyard or front yard, whatever's kind of covered. So this incident lasted about an hour, and he left her tied to a fence with her own belt, and she was there quite a while because, again, people could just not hear her screaming. It was late at night. She was kind of far away, I guess. Mm. It just... This poor girl. July 27th of 87, there is his third rape where he beats a young woman and he actually takes a pretty good beating from her. She fights back pretty aggressively and he actually like abandons the attack. And this is one of the first ones where someone can give a little bit of a description because she did see him run away. Mm -hmm. Even though she was trying to run away herself, there was a bit of information brought out. October of 87 is when Paul and Carla do meet. It's right in this time where she comes into the picture. We will get a bit more into that, but at the same time, the information that was getting released to the public uh, from the Women's Action Committee that had just recently been created was advising locals to leave your lights on all night, walk in the middle of the street if you do have to go out and walk, don't go out at night, and if you do, do not go alone by any means. They were also asking for further safety measures such as additional payphones for anyone young who hasn't seen a payphone before. Google it. As they're looking for more payphones to be put on really quiet bus routes so at night women could call for help if they needed to or anyone for that matter but predominantly women at this time. They were also starting to implement the program where bus drivers would drop women off after dark at the end of their driveway as opposed to at the nearest stop which to this day is still a thing. I've done it before when I used to bus home for a bit when my car was broken down. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, if you ask a driver, he will stop closer to your home. So as long as you feel safe uh, to have the drop be closer to your home, feel free to do so. Feel free to ask for that if you're anyone who feels unsafe, not just a woman. If you want to be dropped off closer to your location after dark, just mention it to the driver as you get on the bus and he'll typically just ask for you to come up to the front and point out where you want get dropped off yeah super convenient uh and you kind of already covered it that it's the you know all this is happening and then they meet it's like at the exact same time this is all like yeah it's like you know he kind of starts his stuff they meet she's still he's still doing his stuff Um, But, I mean, yeah, they meet, and their relationship was super intense right from the beginning. Oh, yeah. People said their, like, connection was, like, palpable. Like, to see them together, they were just, Mm -hmm. like, magnets. And immediately, Paul discovers that Carla shares his affinity for sadomasochism. And so... 
They love a little BDSM. They do. And so Carla later, of course, will go on to say that when she met Bernardo, she was, quote, young, feared being abandoned and desperate for love, end quote. Um, But many people do believe that Carla entered into this relationship and stayed in this relationship completely willingly. Um, 100%. She was quite smitten. Like, they were engaged by Christmas Eve of 1987. So. Yeah. You know, it's like the same friggin' year. So, anyway, (laughs) yeah, we'll continue to let Katie tell us about these attacks because, of course, we know when, when they meet, their, you know, relationship's getting intense, but all these reports of sexual assaults escalating in and around Scarborough or just getting worse. So Katie's going to keep telling us about that and then, yeah. Buckle down, people, because it's not necessarily the shortest list and it is hard to listen to. Yeah. Uh, And like we said, keep in mind, they do get engaged at Christmas time of, I believe it's 87. So Mm -hmm. as we're going through these, listen to the dates closely and think about that because Mm -hmm. he is living a completely normal life, working a nine-to-five, getting engaged, holding a relationship. Very shocking. Yeah. Because on December 16th of 87, he attacks a 15-year-old girl. He raped her for an hour, and the next day, the Toronto police issued an official official warning to any woman traveling in Scarborough again at night and anyone taking buses. So this was a specific press release to women taking the bus predominantly. And what day did you say they got engaged? Christmas Again. Eve of 1987. So, mm-hmm. you know, day before December 23rd, you're like, beep, boop, beep, going around town. I got to pick up the ring, maybe some flowers. Oh, I got to wrap the gift. You know what? While I'm out, I think I'm just going to just rape a 17-year-old at knife point. That just, I'm just going to squeeze that into my day. What the fuck? Honestly, this was the, this was the official attack where he was coined the Scarborough Rapist. So the day before they get engaged. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's insane. It's always crazy to me. It's always the same because we've obviously covered one or two serial killers now. I think... It was mostly similar in, like, when we covered Arthur John Shawcross. It's just so crazy to me how these people live two completely separate so lives. separate. Where are you finding the time? I can't even live one life. I know. We've said that before, and it's true. Anyway. I... It's just wild. I feel like I've barely stopped moving in two days, and I have one life. I can't even keep up with one story that is my life. It's just wild. Fair. Well, I'm going to assume here that maybe he's busy with, like, the wedding planning, just sure. hanging out, doing Takes a little breaky break. Thing. Yeah, so, you know, spring rolls around. It's not as cold out anymore. It's Toronto, you know, chilly. So April 18th of 1988, there he goes, back on the prowl, picks up another 17-year-old woman, and this attack lasts about 45 minutes. Police say this was one of the most violent attacks they had seen at that time and one of the most violent attacks uh, on Paul's behalf as well. They were quite traumatized from this, not expecting to see what they saw. Yeah. There was many quotes that that was one of the pivotal moments for those investigators in understanding just the severity of what was happening around them at yeah, that and, like, point. Yeah, like the type of person they were actually dealing with. 
Yeah, exactly. And just, like, how evil they are. Yeah. Because at this point, there's no actual task force equipped in Toronto to take on this case. They, locals, really pitch in to help. Over 600 people get together, hand out flyers. They're promoting just, like, public safety, awareness, who they're looking for, what to watch out for. Anything they can to keep the people of their community safe. Although... Just over a month later again, he attacks, and he was nearly caught by a uniformed Metro investigating. It was like a guy who was undercover sitting at bus stops. So he was just supposed to look like a random civilian waiting to get on the bus, and he just so happened to, like, come upon an attack and break it up. He's sitting at the bus shelter and notices him hiding under a tree. <laughs> And he literally runs after him as he sees him going to approach, like, a woman getting off the bus. He, like, sees it about to happen. He's like, oh, fuck no, not on my watch. Paul escapes. It's fucking annoying. Of course he does. He gets away. Yes. And I will say, I'm only using Paul because we talked about his parents as well, and we're using Kenneth. So I just got in the habit of using Paul. That's fine. There's no good way to speak about these people, so. No. There's no good way. There's no good way. Sorry, my chair is really squeaky. I just gotta move around. My butt hurts. We can resume. You good? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> May 30th, 1988. Paul commits another attack. I don't even know why I say he commits another attack. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly that's what he's doing. This time, however, it's in Clarkson, which is about 25 miles south of Scarborough. This attack is against a 18-year-old and lasts about 30 minutes. October 4th, so again from May to October, he takes another little break. Yeah. On October 4th of 88, he attempts to rape another victim. This victim is able to fight him off, uh, but he did inflict two stab wounds on her to her thigh and her buttocks, so she did require stitches and medical attention. However, she was fine. In November of 88, he attacks an 18-year-old girl and again pulls her into the backyard of her parents' house and assaults her. Like, what the hell? So fucking bold. It's really bold. I don't understand. And it's monstrous. I mean, there is mention of him back and forth having this knife, it says. So I'm assuming most, if not all, of these are at knife point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, 90% of them are. Yeah. So I could imagine that these attacks are quite quiet because he's saying, you know... And he's attacking young women who are, like, vulnerable, and they believe when you say, don't scream or I'll kill you. Yeah. Which he might do, but honestly, if I was being attacked in my backyard, I would probably just fucking scream. Yeah, I don't know. When there's a knife involved and it's right up to you, I don't know. I think if you get, like, an opportunity, I think most people would try to, like, push away and scream. I think this is, like, a fight or flight, and, like, I have, I have tested my fight or flight a million times, and, bitch, I am all flight. So... I feel like I'd just shut down. I don't know what I'd do. I wish I was a fighter, but I am a flighter. I probably am too at the end of the day. It's that anxiety. You are, I probably am. That general anxiety <laughs> causes... I mean, it depends, of course, on the situation, but I think in, like, true panic situation, like, my fight, I'm trying to get it to kick in a little bit more because, damn... Yeah, I don't think I would normally in a situation, but I think just being, like, in your parents' backyard. Sure. Like, picture someone's attacking you in your parents' backyard, and you find a moment to just, like, push them a bit and be like, Dad! 
dad yeah and your parents house lights come on he's gonna take off right that's my imagination of it yeah. if this was like in a dark alley yeah i'd probably stay quiet and save my life and that's make sure fair. i don't get taken to a second location yeah Ugh. things we think i have about. many all the time yeah so after eight attacks they finally get a team together the mm-hmm. local police had gone as far as to call him to the media a brazen animal, revealing that one victim had had her arm stomped so hard that he broke her collarbone. That's brutal. Yeah. And that was just an attack. That was someone who got away. Yeah. Like, oh. So December 27th, 88, an alerted neighbor chased Paul off and he was attempting to rape an eighth woman that night. Or sorry, ninth woman that night. Well, I guess eighth woman. He didn't attack. He didn't rape one of them. She got away. Thank God. Yeah. June 20th of 89, uh, he attempts to rape another young woman and this woman fights him off, manages to scream, alerts neighbors. This is when he flees and he gets a big scratch on his face. So he's now got, like, an injury to watch out for as well. They know that. So it's kind of something to keep an eye out for. Do you see someone with a big weird scratch on their face? Keep in mind. August 15th of 89, he is attacking a 22-year-old woman that he had stalked from a night previously from outside her window in her apartment. He then waited hours for her to arrive home. He was particularly vicious with her as well, and he attacked her for two hours. Two hours? two hours after sitting outside her house the night before watching her and then sitting outside her house again in the bushes waiting for her yeah i honestly forgot how brutal this case is and by case i just mean him and her and the whole thing and it doesn't get better it doesn't get any better and if anything it it just escalates it gets worse but i i just yuck true also what you were saying earlier about you knew someone who knew someone close to the case kind of thing mm-hmm. i did mention to someone the other day and he was saying that uh like yeah he used to like live by their house or something like that or like mm-hmm. right by the parents house or something i'd have to look up what he said but yeah it was so crazy like everyone has some kind of connection to this case if yeah. they live in toronto it's so weird mm-hmm. yeah uh november 21st 89 15 year old who was Sounds so bad. 15. She was standing at a bus shelter. He attacked her, and it lasted 45 minutes. December 22nd of 1989, he attacks a 19-year-old. The attack occurred in a stairwell to an underground parking lot and lasted 30 minutes. So now he's veering out of quiet yards, bushes, bus stops. He's getting bolder. He's, He's taking more risks doing things more publicly as well. On May 26 of 1990, Paul attacks a 19-year-old woman and she is vividly able to recall features and give the information to a computer composite photograph. So they actually are able to build it with features in a computer program instead so it's not hand-drawn, which I thought was kind of cool. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah, and the nice thing about this is, like, it was released two days later because they were able to get it done really fast. Right. So it wasn't, like, something they had to work on for a long time either. They were able to get it out lickety-split. Mm-hmm. July of 1990, two months after um, a bunch of tips had come in that Paul fit this description, he looked like the Scarborough rapist, and he was interviewed by the police. Mm-hmm. 
None of the women were able to see his face up until this last individual. Before that, the only thing that anyone ever knew was they thought he, they thought he had curly hair. Yeah. He was between 5'8 and 5'11 and a medium build. So, that was it. Which is so generic. Like, between 5'8 and 5'11. And not a hair color. It's just curly. Just, like, curly and medium build. You're not finding anybody with that. <laughs> oh, my God. No. So, it was at this time that, although Paul was getting talked to by the police, he was also getting extremely close to Carlo's family. Oh, yeah. And so, this is when he started to attend family events, get to know the family, um, as well as meet her parents and her sister. Yes. And they loved him. They adored him. They really liked him. Like you said, he spent a lot of time with them. And, of course, we know, I mean, this is now three years into their relationship. They met in 87. Engaged. Got engaged right away. They're still engaged three years in. We know he's doing his thing, for lack of a better term. But her family is completely unaware. They have no idea. Right. Um, He's super charming. He fits in the family great. They think he's a great, like, partner for... Carla, he's a little bit older, so they like that. They're also completely unaware that Paul was becoming very obsessed with Carla's youngest sister, Tammy. So much so that he gave her a ton of special attention and he started to sneak into her bedroom window and like enter the room while she was sleeping to masturbate. Carla? Because that's what you do to your future sister-in-law, yeah. who is a child. And Carla, so she 100% is aware this is happening, and she wants to do everything she can to make Paul happy. She wants to give him the best wedding. She actually started to break Tammy's blinds in order to give him easier access to her. Paul also started to, at this point, ask Carla to dress up in Tammy's clothes and pretend to be her during sex. And, I mean, Carla, of course, like, went along with it and, you know, wanted to make Paul happy. But I think we all know deep down she is probably starting... wasn't super happy about that. Yeah, starting to maybe resent her sister a little bit. Paul was mostly obsessed with the fact that Tammy was a virgin and Carla was not. So... Yeah. Paul made her feel really bad that that was something she couldn't give him, too. Yeah. It was odd. Like, like, he talked about it a lot and he brought attention to it. Yeah, and, like, she's, like... Tammy's, like, 13 to 16 at the time span that this is occurring. So, yuck. And, like, they video recorded a lot of stuff, which is why we know all of this. But, so, yeah, three years into their relationship, 1990, like Katie just said, uh, Paul has, you know, been interviewed. They're still engaged. And I did forget to tell you what I was going to tell you earlier when I mentioned we were talking about Carla and how she's an animal lover. She worked at a pet store and a vet clinic. And then I think I said that we were going to come back to that. And then I just, because I'm dense, we just never really came back to that. So what I was going to say was that. What? Said we have dense days. Yeah, I really do. So Carla, at some point in her childhood, decided that she was going to make like a parachute and put her friend's hamster in it and fly it out (gasps) the window no girl you use an egg 
You use an egg, not a hamster. Yeah, so she, of course, didn't use an egg. She used her friend's hamster. The hamster, of course, fell and died. Her friend was (laughs) devastated because her hamster died. And Hamulka kind of saw it more as, like, a fun experiment. She thought it was, like, funny. And a couple weeks later, she dug the hamster up to examine it, to, like, see what happened to it. Like, what, are you just sitting bored at home and you're like, oh, I wonder what that hamster's up to. I'm gonna go look. I don't know, I guess, like, like, maybe... I don't even know where you get that draw. Maybe, like, she did end up working at a vet clinic. Maybe she was interested in... I don't know, but I did forget to come back to that point, so I just figured I would... Let it's us know gross. now before we wrap it up and you guys get to listen to part two of the most horrific story ever. So we're going to end it here for part one. Paul and Carla, Paul has done his solo work up to this point. So next episode, we're going to get into their teamwork. Yeah, it's a good um, it's a good place to stop because there is a whole, I mean, we've just obviously, Katie's told us a lot about what Paul is doing in Scarborough and all of that that's happening, but that's kind of not even the beginning, and we haven't really talked about, you know, a lot of Carla's involvement and what, and what she's doing, so we're gonna do that next week, or I guess in two days, I don't know. Yeah, you'll be hearing from us on... Thursday. I'm delusional from heat. Oh my goodness. I just got my second dose of my vaccine. I worked 10 hours today. I just am like drained. So I hear you. And honestly, if this ends up being three, it ends up being three. There's so much to, (laughs) I'm sorry, but like, I, I just feel like once we hit trials, I'm going to end up on a deep, dark rabbit hole. And if this one's going to be kept to about pretty. Yeah, if this one's about an hour, I want to keep them all around the same length. And so if you get three, you get three. I'm sorry. Honestly, it, this might be like early life and then their life together and crimes and then trial and sentencing. Might There's be just a lot. One. and so yeah. It is. And honestly, I didn't even know if this was going to be a full hour, but... It didn't seem like there was a smooth transition to include any more without having to just go into like a three-hour episode. So we are very sorry this is a broken-up episode, but we are going to do our best in the next one to end it as seamlessly as possible so you're not as (laughs) eagerly awaiting part three. Um, But we will do our best to get it to you as quickly as possible. Just know that we likely will be releasing part one and two in one week, and then the next week we will have a feature episode and we will explain why uh, at the end of our Thursday episode for you. Mm-hmm. Following that, you'll likely have part three. So there may be a week in between. Um, but just so you guys know, it's not an error if you see another episode come up in between. It is for on purpose. Yep. She said it. But yeah, this was a really good spot to land. We've kind of laid the foundation. You know what's, what's going on and uh, we're going to get a lot more into Paul and Carla and their horrific shenanigans in a couple of days um we will give you guys a bit more details about carla next week though um this was predominantly a paul episode because he has such a long early history so regardless you will learn more about carla next week yes all right talk to you then
I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs>